לקוטי שיחס פרשס קרח, חלק כ"ג שיחה א'. The Rebbe begins this sicha. We've often discussed that Rashi pauses in the verses of Torah to explain questions that might arise for Ben Chamesh Lemikra, a five-year-old student of Torah, on the literal words of the Torah verses so that he and we can understand what the literal intention of the Torah is. If we encounter a difficulty which Rashi does not explain, then this must suggest that the answer is actually self-explanatory as in, and is in the verse itself, or perhaps is answered through another of Rashi's explanations, whether one on that verse, but perhaps on different words in that verse, or in another verse, and on other words completely earlier in the Torah, but would serve to explain the issue here. In our Torah portion, after the description of the punishment of those in Kairach's group who were swallowed up by the earth, a punishment that made it very clear that Moshe's position as leader of the nation and the steps he took to quash Kairach's rebellion and Aaron's position as the Kayan Gadol were all by God's word, and after the fire from God that consumed the 250 men of Kairach's group who had offered incense, again providing proof that the person that God chose was sanctified by God, and after the plague that followed, that killed 14,700 of the nation. The Torah tells us that Hashem then tells Moshe to speak to the nation and instruct them, that each chieftain of each tribe inscribe his staff with the name of his tribe and bring it before the Ohel Moed, the tent of witness, and that Aharon too inscribe his staff with the name of the tribe of Levi and bring his staff. The staff that would blossom would be by God's choosing, and this, said God, would be a sign that Aaron was destined to be the Kohen by God. But why was this sign needed? Why weren't all the things that came before this sufficient to silence all the complaints that the nation had? When all was done with the miracle of the staff that blossomed and that brought forth flowers and then bloomed and brought forth and produced ripe almonds, we read in verse 25, in chapter 17, Parakut Zion, that Hashem instructed Moshe, Hashem es mate aharon lifnei ha'edus limishmeres lo'is. Put Aaron's staff back in front of the tent of testimony as a keepsake and a sign, which Rashi explains saying that God instructed that the staff was to be a remembrance that God had chosen Aaron so that there would never again be argument over the priesthood. Nachmanides, the Ramban, explains this Rashi to mean that the sign of the staff was to show that the tribe of Levi 
was chosen from among all the other tribes, and the fire that had consumed the 250 men who brought the Keteris was a sign that the priesthood belonged to Aaron. Commentaries discuss and explain at great length that in fact Rashi's intention was that the sign of the staff of Aaron blossoming was indeed for both the choice of Aaron for the priesthood and also as a sign that the tribe of Levi was chosen for its special service. And the commentaries provide proof for this and say that if Rashi's intention was that this was a sign only regarding the choice of the tribe of Levi, then A, it would not have been the staff of Aaron that was used, but the staff of Elazar, the son of Aaron, who served as head of the tribe of Levi, just as all the other staffs placed before the tent of witness belonged to the heads of each tribe, and B, God instructed that upon each staff there be inscribed the name of the tribe, only on Aharon's representing the tribe of Levi was to be inscribed the name of Aharon. Other commentaries explain their proof for this dual sign of the staff as a, the staff blossomed with the buds of the almond fruit, specifically where Aharon's name was inscribed on the staff, and b, the Torah describes this blossoming of buds with the words vayetzet tzitz, which alludes to the tzitz, the golden band worn around the forehead of the Kohen Gadol, thus alluding to Aaron himself and not only to the tribe of Levi. But none of these explanations are actually alluded to at all in the actual Rashi. We also still want to understand, even with all the proofs that seem to exist, that the sign of the blossoming buds were also relevant to the priesthood of Aaron. Why was this sign needed altogether? Back to our earlier question. Why weren't the signs that preceded this sufficient? It might be that the explanation here can be understood from the actual verse that tells us that the staff of Aaron bloomed. Rashi explains these words, Vayetze Perach, it gave forth blossoms, with one word, Kimashmoi, literally. But a few verses earlier, where Hashem first gives instructions to Moshe to lay forth the process to all the heads of the tribes, and Hashem tells Moshe to tell them, And it will be that the man who I have chosen, his staff will blossom. Rashi gives no such explanation there. It's only the third time that the Torah tells us that the staff blossomed that Rashi gives this explanation of kimashmai, literally. As well, it's self-understood that Rashi explains the words in a verse only where the literal intention of the words is not obvious, and not when the intention of the meaning in a verse is obvious. When Rashi gives the explanation for words in a verse saying literally, or the like, his intention is to negate an explanation which would not be literal but might be the way the verse is understood based on its content. So what would be the literal but incorrect understanding of the words Vayetze Perach, a blossom came forth, and what would make what would cause one to think that this was the correct understanding for these words?
The Sifsei Chachamim says that because there are two phrases used, wherever there are two terms, such as here where the Torah states, Perach, blossom, and then states, Vayitzat tzitz, and it bloomed buds, and the meaning of blossom is evident, but the meaning of buds is not, then Rashi will explain blossom as its plain interpretation without a need for further explanation. However, since the meaning of tzitz, buds, is not self-evident, he needs to explain that this refers to the budding of the fruit. But this rule of Rashi actually just strengthens our question. Were Rashi to just explain the words, tzitz, it bloomed the buds of the fruit, this would have clarified the words, perach, that blossoms bloomed first. And it would require no explanation because we would understand that the verse meant this literally. But with an explanation of literally for the words perach, that a blossom came out, Rashi must be negating a different possible way of understanding this. So what was that? Also, Rashi does later explain the word sits to be the budding of the fruit when the blossom falls. So this really requires some deeper investigation because Rashi's format is as known to explain the literal intention of the verse, which means the meaning of the words so that we understand the discussion in the pasuk, in the verse. But Rashi doesn't just add descriptive detail unless these descriptive details are necessary for us to understand the literal intention of the verse in Torah. So why here, with these descriptive details that Rashi adds, how the fruit develops, the bud that develops when the flower falls, that will become the fruit? Now let's look at Rashi's explanation of the words, Vayigmol Shkedim, and it produced ripe almonds. Kishahuka hapri hukar shehen shkedim. Which is a quote from Bracious. When the fruit is recognizable, it was recognized that they were almonds. A similar expression is found in, and the child grew and was weaned a reference that we find in the book of Boratius. This expression is frequently found used in reference to fruits, Rashi continues, fruits of the tree, as in, and the buds turn into ripening grapes, which is a fruit, uh, excuse me, which is a quote from Yeshaya. We have often said how precise Rashi is in his usage of words. So when Rashi quotes the words from Yeshaya, to explain the word produced, saying that this word is also used in describing the produce of fruits of trees, and not only the commonly known usage of this word for children, as we saw it in Bracious, Rashi adds the word fruits of trees. For precision's sake, the word fruit would have been sufficient. We know where fruits grow. 
We can explain all this by looking at the questions that arise in the actual Torah text in these verse, verses. First, God had said, and the one whose staff blossoms is the one who I have chosen. But then the Torah goes on to tell us that the staff did more than blossom. It budded and bore fruit. Also, these are not natural occurrences. Each of these occurrences was a miracle. Second, the verse seems to have a redundancy when the Torah says, and behold, Aaron's staff blossomed. And that is followed by the words, it gave forth blossoms. Our sages comment on this, by the way, and say there were two types of flowers that blossomed. Flowers that remained flowers and didn't fall off and become buds, and flowers that blossomed on the other side of the staff that fell and became buds and produced fruit like all flowering fruit. But this explanation does not work for the explanation that Rashi gives, as Rashi does not even allude to this at all, which he certainly would had this been his understanding. And Rashi explains the two parts of the blossoming flowers and then the budding of the fruit. Actually, based on Rashi's explanation of the words, Vayetze perach, and it gave forth blossoms, as to be understood literally, in other words, it was a flower that blossomed, we understand that the previous usage of the word Vayifrach in the earlier verse, that the one whose staff will blossom, and the word Parach, and Aharon's staff blossomed in our verse, to be unique references to what was happening. A staff is not meant to blossom. The staff would blossom by a divine miracle, and it would then bring forth the blossoms, and then bud, and then bear fruit, just like a fruit tree. All three steps were inculcated in this now miraculously blooming staff. So the redundancy is not actually a redundancy, as first the Torah is telling us of the fact that the staff bloomed, and then the Torah details the process. It flowered, it budded with a knot of, of the fruit, and it then grew ripened almonds. This, however, evokes a question. If these three details are part of the blossoming staff of Aaron that the Torah tells us about, and that when Moshe returned to the tent of witness, the production of the fruit, Vayigmol Shkedim, had already taken place, why does the Torah detail the blossoming flower and the budding if Moshe only saw the final result, the ripe almonds? You can't say that actually Moshe saw the whole process take place because the point of this whole thing was that the complaints of the nation would be ended with the obvious proof and recognition that God chose Aharon, the end result. That's why Rashi adds his explanation to the words Vayitzat Tzitz, the budding of the fruit after the flower falls, to explain that there was a natural order of blossom from bud to fruit, or from blossom to bud to fruit, and they could witness the fallen petals of the flowers in other words, Moshe took all the staffs out and showed them to the nation. He showed them everything, 
even the fallen petals. And when they witnessed this, they had the clarity that in the tent of meeting, the entire process took place and the almonds grew. We could then ask, but why? Why did they need to know that this process took place? That this whole natural process occurred with the staff? It was a miracle anyway. So if they had just seen the ripening almonds, wouldn't that have been enough? There are commentaries who explain this as the flowers of the blossoms and the buds add to the greatness of the miracle. The Radak suggests that the order of this production was backwards to enhance the miracle. But Rashi does not teach it that way. And according to his explanation, it's clear that the staff miraculously produced fruit in an orderly, organic, natural process. So if it was about making the miracle greater, why doesn't Rashi teach us as the Radak does? And if it was all about producing a miracle, the staff should have just grown ripe almonds. The explanation here is that it is precisely for this reason that God made a sign out of a staff. Let's go back to Kairach and his group. When they were swallowed in the earth, it led to the recognition that it was God who designated Moshe to do all the things that he did. That Moshe is a messenger from God and that he does everything by God's word. This was further shown to be so in greater detail even when the 250 men who brought the Keturah's offering were consumed by fire. Now it was clear that Aaron was chosen by God to perform the Keturah's offering, that the high priesthood was his. Yet the nation argued, perhaps Aaron was yet equal to them, and therefore why should he lead? And taking the golden calf into account, maybe he really didn't even deserve the high priesthood. And perhaps they argued others were more worthy. And furthermore, maybe Aaron only became high priest because of his brother Moshe's prayers on his behalf. And so God made a sign of his staff. A staff does not blossom and does not produce fruit. That can only happen if God makes a choice for that to happen. When the nation witnessed the miracle of the staff of Aaron, they were able to see all the staffs and the miracle that occurred with and changed the nature of only Aaron's staff, transforming it to sustain the organic blossom of the blossom the blood, and the bud when the flower falls and the fruit, the very obvious almond. This was reflective of the priesthood of Aaron. Aaron was chosen by God for no external reasons, and it was a transformation that became embedded in the nature of the priests. Of course, as an aside, this statement of the Rebbe brings to mind the hypothesis known as Y-chromosomal Aaron. This is not mentioned in the Sicha, but it, it cannot be, I cannot help but mention it as Aaron is the common ancestor of the priestly caste, which when tested, when the hypothesis was tested, shows that Kohanim shear a DNA as the a, a DNA pattern of values um, of six YSTR markers, which researchers named the extended Cohen modal haplotype, or CMH. 
And if I sound excited, it's because it was very exciting to see this correlation in the Sicha. Also, accordingly, it's now understood why God instructed Moshe to place the staff of Aaron in front of the tent of testimony as a keepsake and a sign to show that God chose Aaron as high priest and to put the arguments to rest forever. Once this became organic and the nature of Aaron and his sons and descendants, one cannot say, even if one desires to serve as priest in the temple and the desire is true and real, or maybe he has other reasons for wanting this, that there can at some future date be a change in who becomes a priest to serve. Also, according to all of this, we can understand Rashi's explanation of the words Vayigmal Shkedim, which is why almonds specifically, and the answer that the almonds flower more rapidly than any other fruit flower, and its lesson that one who argues the position of the priesthood suffers equally rapid consequences. Just as the staff's blossoming was in a natural and organic order of production to highlight that the kahuna, the priesthood, is organically and naturally Aaron's, the almonds too have a connection to the organic nature of the priesthood. Therefore, Rashi lays out his explanation by presenting the question, why almonds? Because almonds represent haste, like the hasty repercussions for arguing Aaron's right to the priesthood. Rashi's explanation also provides us with a clarification for a statement in the Gemara that is questioned by the Rishonim, the scholars who preceded the era of the writing of the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law. The Talmud in the Tractate of Yoma teaches that when the Aaron, the Ark that held the tablets, was hidden away, many other items were hidden away with it, as well as the staff of Aaron, and in the exact wording of the Talmud, and its flowers, and its almonds. Many sages present the obvious question, but the staff produced fresh almonds, which means that the flowers fell, and there were flowers no longer, and they answer that some of the flowers remained to enhance the miracle. But that's not really a clear answer. Why does the Talmud specify the flowers at all? If the staff was hidden away and some flowers remained to enhance the miracle, hence they were with the staff, and why do they need to be mentioned individually? You could say in regards to the almonds that the almonds really identify the staff as Aaron's staff. But why mention the flowers? What difference do they make? Yet according to what we discussed regarding Rashi's explanation, that according to the literal understanding of the verse, the flowers fell off and the fruit buds appeared. And when Moshe showed the nation the staff, he showed them the fallen petals. We can understand that just as Moshe took the almond blossoming miracle staff and the flower petals that had fallen and showed them to the nation to tell them that there had been an organic growth that produced fresh almonds, highlighting the organicness of the priesthood, as we just said. 
Both the almonds and the flowers were a sign that God chose Aaron for the priesthood and a keepsake forever before the tent of witness to ensure that no one would again argue Aaron's right to the priesthood. And therefore, when the Gemara teaches that the staff of Aaron and its flowers and fruits were concealed with the Aaron so that these things would not fall into our enemy's hands, but also so that the staff would be hidden away in a place sanctified to hold the holy ark. This is true, too, of the other objects that were hidden away with the ark. This is their designated place. There with the eternal holy ark, eternally activating their message as a keepsake and a sign. Thus, the Gemara details the flowers and the almonds hidden with the staff. All of this to be taken out of hiding and revealed with the coming of a righteous Mashiach. Regarding who King David writes in chapter 72 of Psalms, Yifrach biyom of Tzadik, may the righteous flourish in his days, a reference to the return of the priesthood and the blossoming of the staff of Aharon speedily in our days, Mamash.